0: Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and today I am joined by Courtney Robison-Dixon. Now, Courtney and I got introduced through a mutual friend, my friend Madison Hardy, who I've worked with for a long time through some of the biggest events going on in Louisville. But also, I know Madison was a big college volleyball player. And Courtney, you were just a volleyball player growing up. You really turned this into your entire life. You were a Division One college athlete, correct?
1: Yes, at the University of Louisville.
0: Okay, so let's walk back just a little bit more because you've now written a book, correct? Yes, I have. What is the name of your book?
1: Living in Real Time.
0: Living in Real Time. Okay. We're going to leave that as a little teaser to how Courtney got from being a division one athlete to writing her own book called Living in Real Time to where it all began. So you grew up just a little bit South of Louisville, right?
1: Yes. In Bullitt County, Kentucky. I went to public schools there from uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. And then I started playing volleyball when I was in third grade because my older sister had played and They didn't have volleyball in the public school system, so I was playing for St. Rita, one of the Catholic grade schools here, and started really enjoying that. It started playing actual AAU travel volleyball when I was eight. And played travel volleyball from the time I was eight until 18. And when I was going to high school, I decided to make the jump from the public school system to Assumption High School. That is one of the most powerhouse volleyball programs actually known nationally. And had the pleasure and honor of playing at that program and then went on to play at the University of Louisville.
0: So, I didn't realize I grew up in Southern Indiana. Volleyball was not in the public school system?
1: It was not. We did not have it in um, elementary or middle school. It is in middle school now, and that is actually thanks to some of the things that we do at the club that I run. You know, we have reached out to the Bullitt County Public School Board and just trying to encourage getting that program started. So, it is now in the middle school level.
0: I had no idea because that's now granted, I played volleyball for like two years, maybe three years in grade school, but it was offered at my public grade school in Southern Indiana. I had no idea because I think they introduced it at fourth grade was the first time. And that was before we got separated into like grade schools was K through six. Middle school was only seventh and eighth. And then you went into high school. So you couldn't get into it until fourth grade, but I had no idea. So you had to switch schools to follow that path. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I did. That's a lot for you though. So what was it like switching schools so many times then? Did you have basically your volleyball friends and then like home friends or how did that work?
1: I did. I had a little group of, you know, kids that grew up in the country and I was raised on a farm. My parents still live on that same farm. So I had these friends that were riding horses and dirt bikes all the time. And then I went to Assumption where there's no boys in this school. So for those listening, it's an all girls Catholic high school with a thousand girls. It was the most bizarre thing I'd ever experienced those first few weeks of school, not having any boys in the room. Um, And the only people that I knew going in were my volleyball friends that I'd made through club. And then, you know, as I continued on through my high school career and through my life, I will say my closest friends are the volleyball friends that I made at Kiva, which is the club volleyball program that I played at and now am a partner in and a director at. And they were my volleyball friends. They were my Kiva friends. They went to Assumption with me. And I will say they were the five bridesmaids in my wedding.
0: I love that. But I feel like, and I was not an athlete by any means. I ended up going down a musical theater path and beyond. But I feel like those extracurriculars, when you're doing those win or lose situations, you're on the road with them. I mean, you. I feel like you form a completely different bond because you're even away from your family in those cases. And your family is your team.
1: Absolutely. You know, I tell kids all the time that, there is something that bonds people together when they are suffering together for a common goal whether that's going through a difficult practice or going through a difficult time you know you know we might have a difficult loss or a tragedy that happens amongst the team. And for everyone to come together in those difficult moments to overcome those problems or those obstacles, and then achieve a common goal, there's just a special kind of bonding that happens with that experience.
0: When you were in this experience, like growing up, what was the hardest part about balancing school sports, being back at the farm
1: (laughs) You know, I think that the greatest lesson that I learned from being a student-athlete and especially going on to being a collegiate athlete is the quality of time management. And for all of us moms that are listening to this right now, there is – no greater skill that we have to have than time management. And as an athlete, you know, you're on the road, traveling all across the country for matches. You're trying, you have to keep a certain GPA. You're trying to establish, you know, your education that is eventually going to be your career. Because for the majority of us, obviously there's, no life beyond sports in sport. You know, there's this that small percentage that's going to make this a profession. And, you know, I was fortunate that I was able to turn mine into some form of profession, you know, not playing professional volleyball, but being able to be a full-time volleyball director and coach for youth athletes and it being able to support my family. But, you know, those those qualities of constantly learning, okay, I've got an hour here, I have to study. You know, I've got this test tomorrow. And just being able to work do school and be an athlete. I think it, you know, allowed me those time management skills, but it also taught me such a strong work ethic and being able to reach out for help when needed and understanding that there is power in community. And I think that, again, as moms, there's oftentimes that we feel so alone and we feel like. It is 100% on me to keep this child's life sustained and make sure that this child is okay. And I think that's one of the greatest things that I am so thankful for that I have learned through my career as a volleyball player that now as I'm becoming a mom, knowing that I'm not alone. You know, this is not just me and my child versus the world. You know, this is me, my husband, my extended family, you know, my volleyball family that supports me. You know, women like you and all these other listeners that we have, that there is power in community. And I would say that time management and power in community are the two biggest things that I was able to take away from my experience as an athlete.
0: So, as you were nearing the end of your co- your high school, I know the number one question is always, where are you going to go to college? What are you going to study? Are you going to still play sports in college? Right. Did you always know that that was your ultimate goal was to carry it on at the collegiate level?
1: I did. And I actually committed as a sophomore in high school to the University of Alabama. And when I was a senior in high school, the coach that I was recruited by and had committed for, she was retiring. So I followed the assistant actually to West Virginia University for a semester and went to West Virginia in the fall of my freshman year and, you know, was fortunate that I got to play the whole time. It it was never a playing issue, but I was not happy in West Virginia. And the number one reason was there was no club volleyball for youth athletes that I could coach at. So... You know, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a coach and that I wanted to stay involved with young women and. I was miserable there because I was not able to coach. So that is why I transferred in December of my freshman year to the University of Louisville and began playing there and immediately came back to my roots at Kiva, the club volleyball program that I now operate. Um, It's where I played AAU volleyball and I coached while I was also playing at the University of Louisville. And, you know, a lot of people ask me all the time, you know, they say your greatest passion in life is volleyball. And I say, no, my greatest passion is not volleyball. My greatest passion is helping young women become the greatest version of themselves on and off the court. And that is what I was missing during my time at West Virginia. And, you know, I've been here at Kiva now for, gosh, uh, 10 years. (laughs) So and I've loved every minute of it. And I feel blessed that God's given me a platform that I get to do what I love every single day and influence young people in a positive way.
0: Tell me about your time at L. What's it like to play in a Division One? Was it bizarre to know that you could be seen on TV? To know that your audiences could be so big that you were traveling the country? I mean, what were some of those highlights of that experience for you?
1: You know, there's s- nothing that... Explains it better than the word "surreal" of playing a Division One sport, but especially playing for your hometown. And for those mm. the, those listeners that are on here that may not be from Louisville, Louisville is a very tight knit small community. um I always say it's a small town in a big city, and everybody knows everyone. And you know. Everyone knew that I went to Assumption High School and there was not a time that I would, you know, go to the mall or go to the movies or anything. And if I had Louisville volleyball on, it did not matter. Someone would stop me and ask for an autograph. Someone would stop and ask for a picture with their daughter. And just to be that kind of hometown hero. And no matter if you won or lost, like the city of Louisville is un deniably loving towards their athletes and towards their sports. And so that was just a surreal feeling to be able to represent not only you know, the University of Louisville, but my city and realizing that I was a part of something so much bigger than myself, which was very rewarding. And, you know, in addition to that, like you said, traveling the country, I remember our first out of town trip, we went on a chartered flight and I was like, what do you mean we don't go through security? I mean, it was insane to me. So, you know, the perks and the privileges that I got to experience and, you know, being treated almost like your royalty, you know, it's just... After I graduated and going back to commercial flights, I was like, well, this really stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So an awesome experience, to say the least. So
0: do you ever feel like you missed out on anything because of how much time you had to dedicate in high school and college specifically? I'll never forget. I went to U L as well. I'm an alumni of there as well. And I met... Several of the U of L cheerleaders because they were in some of my classes. And I remember saying, aren't you so excited? Spring break's coming up. What are you going to do? And she was like, we don't get a spring break. Yep. And she was not from Louisville. So she had come from the East coast and she said, do you realize that the, the cheerleading program at L is one of the best in the country. That's why I came here. And I didn't know that at the time. And she goes, spring break is when we start training. And we actually work harder that week. And we don't get those traditional breaks. Right. And I never realized how much you are sacrificing in a spare time in the traditional college experience sense. So did you ever feel that way? Because I mean, at the same time, I could only imagine you were gaining also an experience that no one else could receive as well.
1: Exactly. Um, and to answer your question, yes, a 100%. There's many times as an athlete that I felt, you know, I'm missing out on so much and sometimes even question like, why do I do this? And I'll be honest, even today as, you know, a professional running a volleyball club, and there's still many times where I'm sacrificing time with my family and, you know, we travel 18 weeks, weekends out of the year. So, you know, I'm gone a lot and away from, you know, my family and my experiences here in Louisville. But it is like you said, you do miss out on things. There are plenty of parties you don't get to go to. Um, Everybody always says, oh my gosh, you went to the University of Louisville. Like, how awesome were the football games and how much fun was tailgating? You wouldn't know. In four years of college, I went to two U of L football games because it's the same season as us. So there is so many things that you do miss out on. However, you know, I I say this to the kids that I coach now I know that you want to go to that party on Friday night, or I know that right now it seems like it's the absolute end of the world that you didn't get to go on spring break. But the other experiences that you gain is what creates the person that you are and you know you can speak for yourself on this i'm sure you don't remember every party you went to in high school or college you remember the experiences and the friendships that you made through your time there you don't remember those specific moments and that's what as athletes we were so lucky to gain you know you've got to create these special bonds with your teammates that a lot of those teammates become your lifelong friends. You got to see places in the world and the country that you would have never seen if you were a regular student. You know, we're all poor college students. We don't have money to travel. So you get to see and eat, stay at the nicest hotels and eat the nicest foods and just the experiences that you gain. You know, there's pros and cons to both sides of being an athlete versus a non-athlete for sure.
0: You know that's a very good description of when I think back of my college and high school experience. You're right, I don't remember all like the little minute parties and stuff like that. I remember the big moments. Yeah. And I feel like as a college athlete, you're getting those big, big moments and not just that you're even getting to travel the country. I know while you're there, you're obviously very distracted by playing volleyball, but I'm hoping on like an off day during a tournament. I mean, what's, what's funny to me is I've had several close friends from high school go on to play college volleyball. Mm -hmm. And then in college, I met other people. Do you know Ashley and Kelly Potts? I'm assuming if you know Madison,
1: you do. Yeah, for sure. They played here at Kiva with the. Okay. Yes. So I know
0: Kelly Potts and Ashley Potts because their brother-in-law worked with my husband. So it's anyway, like I, I have like watched you all from afar via them the last 10 years. Uh (laughs) Um, and it goes back to Louisville being such a small town and everybody starts to know everybody. So like as soon as you connect one dot, you're in with all the other dots, but I can imagine this. No wonder why these people are your best friends and the people that are in your wedding and you bring up your wedding. So when did you meet your husband along this path? <laughs> uh,
1: we started dating in March of 2017 and then we got married in September of 2019.
0: Where did you meet him?
1: His sister and my sister are actually married to two best friends. So their husbands are best friends. And they, you know, took us on a triple date. And ever since that date, we have talked and been together ever since. So and he was also he's a Southern Indiana guy. And now we actually live in Southern Indiana. And uh, he was a tennis collegiate athlete. So he went to Marion, a small school and out right outside of Indy. So you know, there was a lot of connection in regards to we had a lot of the same values as in regards to family and work ethic and time management and there's something about athletes typically stick together. I always say that. So
0: you know what though be, it's because you guys understand what it took. You guys have similar work ethics. You understand, like you said, similar time management. Um he understands you saying I have to go out of town this weekend. He
1: does. And that is, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, I had already been in my career when we met and, you know, he kind of knew he laughs all the time. He said, when I married Courtney, I married Kiva and I knew what I signed up for. So he is amazing in regards to I'm on the road a lot and he can take care of our house. He does the grocery shopping. He can feed us. He can cook dinner. So I will give the man credit. He does an incredible job. Is he still in the athletic field at all? He is not. So he is a federal agent um, based out of Indianapolis. So he he's still kind of part of a team, I guess you would say, because he's, you know, with the federal agency side of it, but he doesn't do anything with tennis anymore. Okay. Does he still play at all? He does not. He plays a lot of golf. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's Obviously, since you work at do, since you are at Kiva, do you still find yourself playing volleyball in a fun way?
1: I do not. It's funny you say that. As soon as I graduated college, I tried to play for you know a year and. While I was playing, I was also, I mean, this was my full-time career at Kiva, and it became to a point where anytime I tried to play recreationally, people wanted to come up and ask me questions about, hey, I want to get my daughter in this, or I want to coach, and it was constantly, if I was around the sport people were coming to me with work questions and I was like, there's, there was no separation and there was no balance. So I had to find something different, a different hobby. And, um, I actually took up triathlon and I did an iron man and fell in love with cycling and then fell in love with mountain biking. So I kind of have a whole new hobby outside of volleyball.
0: Okay. So you and your husband, Transitioned out of college sports to still enjoying the feeling of being an athlete and pushing endorphins and finding something segued away from that. I was also wondering that again after you dedicated what nearly my whole almost life. what <laughs> you're you're up until the age of what roughly twenty three to or twenty two to yep. from age eight to twenty two to volleyball needing a change of pace. I cannot believe you did a triathlon. I have okay so. Between cycling, running, swimming, you would Uh choose cycling, correct?
1: I would. And when my husband started dating, he was also training for one. So we were training together for it. So it was a blast.
0: So you guys did both compete, or I guess I'd say compete, but not really. You did it together. Yes.
1: Yeah. So we participated. We did a couple of half Ironmans together, and then I did the full Ironman, and he was my support crew during my race. (laughs)
0: I cannot imagine. I've known some people that have done that. The conditioning again, but this is, of course, you're used to this type of conditioning and you can't just wake up a month before an Ironman and decide in one month you're going to train for that. How long did you have to train for those?
1: I trained for a year for that Ironman, and I was 24. And actually, for nine out of the 12 months of training, I did not have a drop of alcohol. So, for a 24-year-old that's just kind of coming out of, um, you know, college, that you know, going out with friends, that was not something that I did. So, it takes definitely an incredible amount of discipline. But going back to what you said, you know, being part of a team and again, the power of community, I still talk to and, you know, have dinners with those people that I trained with, you know, when again, you're suffering together for a common goal. I think there's just so much power in that.
0: You know, you do bring up a good point, especially after being a college athlete, back to missing certain things. you That's a lot of strength as a 24-year-old. To be like, you know, I'm not going to go to the bars. I'm training for this to understand that you have a higher goal that is going to take priority over a random night of drinking in the Highlands somewhere. Correct. So that makes complete sense to me, even though the willpower of my 24-year-old self, I don't think would have been able to do that. So you train for that. So now when you say Mike, mountain biking, you're not just doing the races on the street where you're doing a 50-mile what is that called? A century ride is 100 yeah, miles, right?
1: Our century rides are 100 miles. So that's what I started with. You know, I was on the road training for triathlon and doing a lot of road bike uh, races. And then I just, one of my friends mountain biked, And, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in the country. I grew up in the farm hunting with my dad all the time. And I love being in the woods. And I was like, well, I'll try that. I rode dirt bikes growing up. So started riding mountain bikes and absolutely loved it. You know, there's a lot of peace and being in the woods and, you know, only hearing, you know, The birds and wildlife and, you know, going to ride and see waterfalls. So there's just a lot of beauty and, you know, bringing just peace and calmness to my life. And I absolutely love it. And, you know, I'm Like you and I talked about, I'm seven months pregnant right now. And as soon as I got pregnant, my doctor, she also rode bikes with me. She's like, okay, no more mountain biking. You hit too many trees. So I have not been on a mountain bike in seven months and I absolutely miss it. So currently my passion is Peloton and that's what I do right now.
0: We can be Peloton friends.
1: I love it. Oh, they're I mean, that is keeping me mentally sane. I almost Okay, we'll have
0: a sidebar conversation. My husband just got one for me for my birthday in the end of May. I think I just completed my 25th ride today. Um I love it. So, I mean, I have I think I've only missed two days out of those since May. I think that I, I couldn't didn't have time to ride until May 23rd because we had people in town. So I think between May 23rd and June 14th, I've done 25 rides. So I think I've literally only missed two. But I'm still figuring out. Sorry, this is not going to turn into a Peloton po- podcast. But I've had so many friends who hated working out, never could find anything, that have fallen in love with Peloton. And they kept talking about the community. There's this, there's that. And I'm like, nah, I'm just going to get on my elliptical, whatever. But after having three kids, which my youngest is 18 months old, and then being in the pandemic the last year and being at home with three kids like that in right. at home. So it wasn't until I stopped breastfeeding back in the end of no, beginning of February that I, I knew that I was at the heaviest weight I'd yeah. ever been the same weight I was when I was 40 weeks pregnant pretty much. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And so now I'm discovering the Peloton. And I was actually talking to some of our friends last night and they're in their mid fifties, but they've done half Ironmans as well. They're cyclists. And he was talking to me about, um, his bike and how he does it at like 4am and he puts it up on the trainer and does all this stuff. And I'm over here trying to be like on the Peloton, you increase resistance and do, this. <laughs> but I've never understood cycling. So the Peloton's the closest thing that I've ever experienced to it. And I did a ride with Christine this morning, which I'm sure you probably know who Christine oh, yeah. is. And she was like a world championship cyclist and all this stuff. So I'm falling in love and finding even some of my friends that I've known from more of afar, we've become Peloton friends and now we're like trying to do workouts together. And I am finding a new sense of community and a new drive to get up and do it. And my husband's doing it. So oh, awesome. I'm I'm glad you're t- I'm sad that you're not mountain biking, but now I'm super curious, like in a sidebar text message. Like I want to know what your, some of your favorite rides are, what you're doing. Like I'm soaking in all the Peloton knowledge. I
1: will (laughs) send you some good stuff. Don't worry. Cause I'm obsessed too. Okay, this
0: makes me so happy. It has been my my newest like newfound joy and thing that I'm trying to figure out. And me and my friends are all trying to, well, some of them have been on it for like over a year. And then there's some of us that have been on it for, obviously I'm the, probably the newest one to maybe three months. So we're still trying to figure out how to ride together, <laughs> figure out the programs, the little achievement badges. I was just proud of myself for doing a sprint at like a 95 cadence at a 55 resistance today for a while. I was like, look at me go. You're Even like, though it's probably gosh, not impressive at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Okay, I just got off on a long tangent. So you just brought up something huge. You're seven months
1: pregnant. Yeah. With is this your first? It is my first little baby boy. <laughs> little
0: baby boy. Yeah. Um, how excited are you and your husband?
1: Oh, it's we're super super pumped. It, my family is like all girls. I've got two nieces. Uh, my mom has one sister, so. I think I'm not sure who's more excited that this is a boy, my husband or my father, but we're we're super excited. His name's Braxton Lee and hopefully he'll be coming at the end of August.
0: Ooh, you're so close. Fantastic. What has it been like being pregnant in the pandemic? I know now it's probably gotten a little bit easier, but either way, I mean, you've definitely been dealing with a non-traditional, I would say, pregnancy just from the pandemic side alone.
1: <laughs> For sure. Um, and you know, I go to for those that aren't in Louisville, um, my OBGYN is called Women's First. And it's funny, you know, going into those first few appointments, normally the dad would get to go and they, for the pandemic, you know, my husband was not allowed to come in. And my husband was like, women's first, is it men's last? Like what's going on here? And I'm like, I know this isn't normal. Um, but you know, yes, we're coming out of that pandemic, but as you know, a new mom and going through, obviously I've never done this before. There's and there's a lot of things that I had to think about. And because of my career, um, you know, I'm in convention centers every single weekend with fifteen to 20,000 mm. people. Um, so there was a lot of discussion about, you know, how are we going to keep me safe? I actually had COVID in August. You know, how are we <sighs> going to keep this baby safe with my job? Because, you know, obviously work and life was still going on and we were kind of coming out of this pandemic. So, you know, there were a lot of things that, you know, I had to think about. And, um, you know, getting the vaccine was one of them. And I know it's a very controversial topic. And, you know, my doctor is actually a volleyball mom. I've coached her daughter for many years. And she gave me a lot of different studies, a lot of different research to read. And she said, I'm not going to push you one way or the other. But, you know, I had to make that decision um, for myself. And, you know, I did get the vaccine. My husband, like I said, is a federal agent. They had to get the vaccine. So he's had it. So just a lot of things that um, they don't... Put in those books that you read about when becoming a parent. Um, I'm like, there's the life mm. manual to being a parent? Because there's not. One Listen, there is none
0: because your body's different. Your parenting style is different. Who you are is different from every other, every, every other mom. Your baby is different. Each labor will be different. Each baby is different and your body reacts differently each yeah. time. So it's. I eventually stopped reading some of those books because they ended up scaring me. And then I was just like, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And I know ultimately what my goals are. So that's the only thing I'm going to follow. I know the moms that I look up to, I obviously look up to my own mother, my mother-in-law. So I know the type of people I want to emulate or ask advice from. I don't want to Google things. That was definitely something high on my list because again, if you Google anything health related, you will go down to the darkest path possible. (laughs) So it's, it's a whole lot. So wait a second. You had COVID prior to getting pregnant. Yes. So
1: um had COVID at the end of August and found out I was pregnant um, middle of December. So I had a few months um, in between from having COVID and getting pregnant.
0: Did you have a mild case of COVID, or did you have a more severe case at the time?
1: Mine was really easy. I'm fortunate for that. Uh, Quite honestly, I was actually able to work out every day. Not sure if you're supposed to do that or not, but (laughs) I felt fine. Um, So it actually, I coach Assumption High School as well as run Kiva, and we had 15 players get it along with me and one of the other assistant coaches. So we all had it at the same time, and I was blessed that I didn't have any negative symptoms. And then same thing, when I got the vaccine, I was never tired, never you know, sick from the vaccine either.
0: You know, I, I've heard a lot of different stories just from my friends on social media and whatnot. And I've seen like, like you said, almost asymptomatic, no change, completely normal to sinus infection, cold to I've lost losing taste to smell for a week. 30 days, 60 days to, I know some people that are what they call long haulers that are still dealing with issues over six months later. Um, So I am so relieved to hear that you did not have a crazy case of it. Um, I reacted a little to the second vaccine, but we're talking probably 24 hours, if that. And I was determined in some way, I was like, if I go work out, am I some way coursing this through my veins? Faster than I would be if I sat still. So I ended up. The only thing I noticed when I was working out, I I, I did sweat a lot more. Uh-huh. Like when I was in that twenty four hour window after having the second Pfizer shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've still. I'm, I'm happy I got vaccinated. I I personally just feel better when I walk outside. I just feel like I have my own little shield yes, up. So sure. to me, that was what was important to protect my three kids and my, by parents who are high risk and stuff like that. So, um, I actually, I've, I know a lot of people that have had COVID, but I have not actually talked to anyone on my podcast who has had COVID. So I'm glad you were open enough to say that you did. I mean, that's a lot going on last year to have COVID and then finding out you're pregnant in December. So you're due in 10 weeks from now, has your pregnancy been nice to you or has this been a difficult first pregnancy? It
1: has, um, you know, I never got nauseous one time. I, Honestly, did not even really have any of the super tired in that first early trimester. I've been able to work out just the same as I always have. Now I've started to breathe a little harder um, in the later yeah. in the last few weeks, but you know I've been able to. I have no crazy cravings, so I've been extremely blessed. I um, have been going through Bradley Method classes. I'm. I like to do a lot of organic and natural things so um you know we are my husband and I are planning a natural uh, birth and natural pregnancy so I've really enjoyed getting we go back to community again being you know with those other moms and husbands that are going through those you know learning and you know pain techniques to different types of yoga poses and different things to take away pain or discomfort so outside going to the bathroom every 20 minutes I can't complain <laughs> So
0: I wanted to be natural births on all three of mine. I did end up successful on that once. Okay. Um and well the first time the, <sighs> the first time I was like way too far in. And I got to a point where I was like, give me the epidural and I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, but, but then the epidural wore off. So then I felt the whole time I was pushing anyway. The second time I did go completely natural and I would 100% choose it every single time. The third time I tried to go natural, but I got induced early uh-huh. because of a blood clotting disorder. And so my body wasn't as ready to go naturally. When your body is ready to go naturally, again, I would prefer that over the epidural any day. Right. Um, but because I was getting induced early, I tried and I tried and I tried. And then I was like, I can't do this. But then it ended up being a really great epidural that time. The first time I didn't like it. Anyway, the second one, the all natural, I have never felt more that I am woman hear me roar ever in my life yes. because I was like, first I just grew a baby. And then my body just knew what to do. I felt that baby slide down, pushed her out in like under 10 seconds. It was the craziest experience ever, but it was absolutely incredible. And I was like, if you want to feel what it's like the most spiritual experience, having a kid. And even after like each pregnancy or each labor story is different, but those are my favorite times of with me and my husband. Sometimes he is the best coach. And, like those moments when you're literally screaming and they're just there. I mean, I'm so excited for you. Oh, thank
1: you. Yes. I'm super, super excited too. My husband laughs all the time. He's like, you're the coach and our like marriage and in the career. Like, I don't know if I can do this because he's very quiet. And he's yes, like, you're you so encouraging. I was like, it's okay. Like you can do this. You're going to naturally be able to do it. And he's like, I don't know about this. I'm like, yes, you will. <laughs>
0: Yes, he will. He will. That's the thing. You can't, it's, how are you supposed to properly prepare him ahead of time? You're not really going to know how even you are going to react in the moment. He will step up. He will just do it naturally as an instinctive way to protect you and his baby. Like, it's just the most incredible thing. And again, I'm so excited for you. Um so good luck in the next 10 Thank weeks, you. and um, we'll, talk, we'll keep on that with that. But I also want to talk about, again, we teased this at the beginning, you've recently written a book because you've mentioned multiple times how important it is for you to help shape the minds of young women and these volleyball players and to be a positive influence on them and have a positive body image and have a true sense of reality beyond the internet and everything like that. So tell me about your book.
1: So the book is called Living in Real Time. And like you said, you know, I've spent the last 10 years coaching youth athletes from ages 10 to 18. And in 10 years, the decline of mental and emotional health that I've seen through these young women because of social media has just been incredibly toxic. And the numbers just continue to rise. And, you know, I started to see these young women identify who they are as a woman and their worth and their inner beauty and their strength. They think that it all comes from what's on a timeline and not in real time and in real life and real relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just started to see this and think to myself, there has to be something that I can do to help relate to these girls and, you know, get them off of Always being on their screen. So I started writing this book actually on my honeymoon with my husband and he laughs all the time. He's like, You never stop working. You inspire me every day. So I, you know, wrote the book, um, finished it up in about October of 2020 and had to go through, you know, close to six months of editing and publishing process. But, you know, I released this book for these girls to just really help them see this. You know, this woman that you are, it's not shaped through likes on Instagram or how many views you get on TikTok. Who you are as a woman is those relationships that you have with your teammates, with your friends, those relationships that you have with, you know, your family and the importance of family. And there's a lot of content in that book that, you know, lessons that are not taught inside the walls of a classroom that are some of life's most valuable lessons. And a lot of those difficult conversations that, you know counselors and teachers and parents do not want to have with their teenage daughters and i think what we have to realize especially as mothers that we are raising the next generation of successful businesswomen women successful wives successful mothers so what we do for our youth now is only going to affect the success down the road and you know if We always say we want to be strong women and we want to influence our kids in a positive way. Then it starts with us. I mean, we're all guilty of it. And we know we are, you know, we get to a red light immediately. We check our email or we check our social media pages and they are a direct reflection of us. And, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So understanding to be where your feet are and be present in the moment. And I think that this book has really opened up, you know, that channel of communication. I've had so many moms reach out to me, you know, once I published this book and say, Oh my goodness, I read your book in a day. I can't thank you enough. I feel like now I can actually have these conversations with my daughter. And, you know, the, there's a lot of talks in there about the importance of being present as a teenager. There's talks in there about the social anxieties that they experience from social media. There's talks in there about, you know, the pressures that they experience on a sexual level, um, being a teenage girl, and you know, that there's so much more that is tied to teenage, you know, premarital sex than what they even realize. So just a lot of, like I said, lessons that are not taught inside the walls of a classroom.
0: You know, that's so important. And I think there's probably not enough people out there or maybe they're still in the process of writing things directed at young adult women, because they're growing up in a completely different world than you and I grew up in.
1: Oh, for sure. And, you know, I tell kids that all the time. I'm not totally old yet that they think I'm an absolute loser. They still think I'm somewhat cool. So, you know, I'm able to relate to them like, hey, it's not your fault that this is the world that you're growing up in. But I can tell you 10 years ago when I was in college or 15 years ago when I was in high school, There was not TikTok. There was not Instagram. I mean, MySpace was still a thing. I say that and they just laugh in my face. They have no idea what that is. Um, And, you know, I explained to them, you know, we identified ourselves with my name's Courtney Robinson. I'm a student athlete at the University of Louisville. Like that was my identity. My identity was not, you know, my handle on Instagram. And this is how many followers I have. And this is how many TikTok views I have. That was not my identity. So, you know, it is they're like you said, they're growing up in an era that we did not experience.
0: No, and there's so many more pressures and judgment in the comparison, which I know comparisons are the worst. You and I do it. We we're on the internet all the time. We're on social media. Right. We understand it too, let alone to be a young, impressionable female. I mean, again, I still also agree with you in the sense that I feel like I am young enough that people don't think I'm completely uncool <laughs> and they still know that I'm like not that far removed from right. them. I remember this year at one point, my intern said something about 1999 and I was like, what were you doing in 1999? And she was like, being born. And I was like, ah, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know, but at the same time, she still looks up to me as a mentor. So I'm like, okay, great. You're still looking up to me. We can still do these things. This is great. So I just can't imagine, like I think about middle school. Middle school is so tough. There's so many changes going on in puberty and people are dating each other now. To have all of that on social media, I just, it's hard for me to imagine. And I am so glad that you are reaching out to them and trying to connect with them. And I'm hoping that this generation which based on some things I've seen have started to see through the fakeness of it and are searching for something more genuine and trustworthy because they've grown up in a world where they've seen the internet be completely untrustworthy. So it's weird because it's like they are completely seeing a different perspective than we can ever see because we didn't grow up with it our entire lives. We've spent probably half our lives with not even half my, no, let me do math, Almost half of my life has been with social media. Yeah. <laughs> but even when Facebook first started, I mean, like it wasn't about it was just about, oh, you're going to college, sign up for Facebook, yeah. connect with your other college friends. It was not good Lord, YouTube stars and Instagram. I mean, my seven year old has a favorite YouTube star. And I was like, oh, what did I do wrong? Yes. Like that was my first reaction. I was like, uh oh, um, but that's the world we're in right now.
1: It really is. And it's just crazy to me. <laughs> So crazy and you know as parents obviously you know we struggle with this you know how much do you let your kids have screen time you know when do they get a phone and I did a webinar a couple of weeks ago for parents about you know social media and regards to teenage girls but also in regards to the recruiting world of volleyball and you know one of the parents said well how much time should I allow my kid to be on their phone? And I'm like, well, I'm not your kid's parent. That has to be up to you. But I do think that, you know, you want to give your kids that ability to have some autonomy and to be able to have a little bit of freedom. But then there's also, you know, we know what these phones and what social media can do to these kids. So at the same time, there's also... There has to be that line where we, you know, get them away from those things and let them experience life and being present and, you know, going outside and playing like you and I did. I mean, to get kids off Mm -hmm. video games, to go outside and play basketball at their neighbor's house is near impossible these days sometimes for kids. And, you know, that's just being a kid and what you and I experienced, you know, that we took for granted for when we were a kid, these kids in today's time, they don't even know what it's like to just run down the street and play with a friend. And, you know, I just wish and hope that as parents and as moms that we can create that environment and empower our kids to be present, be where their feet are and live in real time and not on social media timelines.
0: I could not agree more with you. And as a almost eight year old, six year old, 18 month old, we live on some land as well. And so minus the fact that they're terrified of the cicadas attacking them outside right now, (laughs) um, they're. (laughs) they do love their video games and they love their videos, but that became such a, a thing we needed to use during the pandemic to get through the days of me working from home and balancing school. Yeah. And, but then now that the weather's been better, I'm like, you have to go outside. You have, I go get dirty. I don't care if you get dirty, just don't get the mud in my house. But that's part of being a kid. Cause I agree with you growing up, riding bikes with the neighbors and like riding all around the neighborhoods, yes. going sledding in the wintertime, playing hide and go seek outside. I mean, in the summertime, because it, you would be doing this at like nine 30 night, going camping, all of these things I think are just really ridiculously important to balance out the screen time. Absolutely, and I mean even my even my eighteen month old has favorite YouTube videos. Again, I realize that I am probably some people are probably thinking, why are you giving your eighteen month old videos? Because she has older brothers and sisters who see them, so it's impossible to leave her completely away from them. She's got brothers and sisters in yeah. front of her. <laughs> um. So anyway, it's uh, it's I'm so impressed by the fact that you wrote a book. That's a an accomplishment that you will be able to carry the rest of your life. You. And for people seeking this book, where can they find your book right now
1: on my website? So Courtney And you know, I've got a you know section for my book, I have a section for my blog page, my videos, I do a lot of different videos and speaking engagement. So it's all on there. And they can purchase it straight from there.
0: So let me ask you one last question. And, and then I will let you go. What's next for Courtney? <laughs> I mean, at this point, you have already I feel like lived an, such an accomplished life. No, granted, we know in ten weeks you're getting ready to have a beautiful baby boy. Yeah. So, professionally speaking, for you, what's next? Are you going to? Tr- are you shifting any of your work things right now with having the baby, or do you have like book number two? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so, part of the book, you know, was uh, there is a phase two of it, and the phase two is an online course for the school system. So, you know, I do have the book already embedded into some of the Catholic schools. Um, you know, last week I just met with the Bullock County superintendent to speak and, um, get this book out into the hands of the Bullock County school district. So kind of phase two is getting that directly into the school systems, but a lot of the schools also would like to have an online platform for like a six to eight week education phase of the main points of the book. So that is, you know, phase two, slash three is creating that online platform for the content of the book as well. That
0: I love and adore what and then next I see you also going to like at some point conferences and leading conversations and holding up your book. Uh, You, you and I are probably the same age and I'm over here like your future is so bright. I don't know why
1: I'm so for well, you. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's uh, like I said, my biggest passion is helping young people. And you know, the more hands I can get the book in front of the more people and more kids that I can speak in front of and just hopefully if they can get one thing, they can just learn one thing from me, then I would be happy. Courtney rd.com. Yes, ma'am.
0: That is a website. Get the book. Courtney, I am so glad you and I got to connect today. You are truly an inspiration. And now I'm going to go text you on the side so we can talk Peloton.
1: Awesome. I can't wait. Well, thank you so much for having me and to all the fellow moms. You know We are so lucky to have each other. And it's like you said, there's power in community and that we're never alone in this crazy world of motherhood.